Blog Talk Radio. Quarters. Security condition three. Thank you. Security three, sir. General quarters three. Intruder alert. GQ three. Intruder alert. Well, usually I tell my doorman that there's no need for concern, no intruder alert, but I think he's just, um, I think maybe he's excited because his own people are going to be showing up tonight. I'm talking about people all about the space program. And extraterrestrials. Hi, good evening. Welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon, the podcast that loves you. I am your host and your cruise director, Madam Perry. And uh, you know, everybody knows I'm so excited uh, that, that this coming weekend is Wild Wild West Con in Tucson. I am excited about it. I am um, to be my second year there, and, and I'm doing a panel again on how to start your own podcast. And tonight... As I've been doing the last, I guess, week, week and a half, I have two guests, and they are both going to be special guests of Wild Wild West Con. Cannot wait. Now, the first one up is, um, I don't even know where to begin, but I'm going to tell you that if you want to travel the world with the awareness of extraterrestrials and our true world history, this is the guy you want to talk to. So let me welcome into Madame Perry's salon the magnificent Neil Gar. Neil, welcome to Madame Perry's salon. Hey, Madame Perry, how are you? Well, I'm doing great. Thank you for tonight. And okay. um I I don't know. I'm just I'm glad that we're all here. I'm 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 glad that you were uh, persistent and, and patient to call mm-hmm. back into the, in here. So just come on into the genie's bottle, sit down, fluff up a cushion, and get comfortable. And you. Uh, are you excited about coming to uh, about Wild Wild West Con this week? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm extremely excited. I'm going to be working on my presentation all day tomorrow, and we're heading out there Thursday from California, so really excited for it. Right, and when you say we... Who, I'm who talking about your, my, your... my wife and myself because we're actually we, uh, Portal to Attention is our organization. I create the events, do a lot of production, but my wife and myself, when it comes to the sound healing component, which we're going to be doing at the uh, at the expo throughout the weekend, my wife and I are are team with that. She leads the meditations and plays some of the instruments, and I'm more of the interactive one that goes around the crowd and plays other instruments. 
Okay, well, this is great. Now, you I know that you do um, travel a lot, and you, you've got a fantastic following. So I want to talk to you, do, is the, situa- is the uh, steampunk convention, is that a normal type of place where and somebody you, would find you? No, not at all, actually. So we actually create tours, conferences, expos, retreats, but all on conscious topics. A lot of them are based on extraterrestrials. Um, the main, um, but even more so based on ancient civilizations and ancient history, but the whole entire component of what it readily represents is spirituality and what we call the ascension or the evolution of consciousness. So you would see me at those type of conferences a lot, um, speaking. A lot of times I'm there helping co-produce different events. Steampunk is something completely out of the norm for me. So it's the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, last year was my first year there, and I had been invited the year before and so forth. I never had so I went. I was a little nervous traveling alone because sometimes, um, you know, if, sometimes when people are alone, sometimes it's, I always say it's, it's not as easy for adults to make friends. And yeah. I've even went to – even my husband and I have gone to meetings for specific kinds of clubs, like, you know, our British Car Club or whatever. And, you know, sometimes people, like, they want new members, but they aren't friendly to new members. But I can tell you, the Steampunk crowd, <clears throat> very friendly, very warm, incredibly diverse yeah. group as far as age and background and so forth. But it is a very, very warm and lively group. And I think you and Saul will have a wonderful time there. So, uh, and yeah, with this so. thing being a Galactic Steampunk Federation, <laughs> I guess they they wanted to give us a full experience. So let me ask you this: So how how did you and your wife meet? And did you and how did you begin a uh, Portal to Ascension? Sure. Well, Portal to Ascension. Something you both began... already were interested in. Mm-hmm. No, it was oh, this, it it began around 2006. But really, when I graduated high school, when I was 18 years old, and I was kind of reflecting, you know, my upbringing, being raised as a Hindu, and just what religion meant, I started doing research. And by doing that, I discovered quantum physics, and I discovered the the, um, the science of vibration and frequency. And from understanding the vibration and frequency from a scientific perspective, I started drawing parallel to um, religion and even organized religion, and seeing that a lot of these truths that were metaphoric. Uh, actually came from something that was based on science. So it spent me ten. It made spent around eight years of deciphering what was the true science behind religion compared to what was added by men, and just trying to figure out what the differences were. And that mm-hmm. led me to creating the group in 2006 on Facebook called 2012 Consciousness, Mind, Evolution, and Presence. And that group went viral. So while that group was going viral in 2008 is when I met my my now wife, but then one of my best friends, we were at a open, an open mic performing spoken word because I did spoken word poetry, so to see. And um, we basically became friends there in 2008 is when I met a lot of people that were in my soul group, but I was learning and kind of teaching them what I was discovering. So fast forward three years later, we started creating full-on productions, and then my wife got uh, and I got together, and then we hit the road and started traveling all over the world, doing conferences, um, tours, and just many events all over in different cities. Well, this is this is very um, that's exciting. I know exciting is an overused word by a lot of people these days, but it sounds like the momentum I just felt, especially when you found uh, as you began to study further, and then uh, and then of course with your friends and wives having a similar interest, um, 
It sounds like you're, you were all seeking knowledge together exactly. and learning new things and putting things all together. And uh, so that sounds very, like it was a very energizing. Yeah, so in, in 2008, when, when I was meeting everyone, it was just like that. Like, it was completely synchronistic. All of these individuals that were in a place in their life that were seeking, having um, aha moments in their life, jobs leaving, comedians, um, poets, rappers. It was just like this creative group of artists, and we were all just into spirituality. So we would just, for two to three years, we would go around doing these different events, different musical events, while I was doing Portal to Center stuff. And while I was doing um, those other events, meditation events, I was contacting people from, like, that show Ancient Aliens. I was contacting people I was seeing on YouTube, spiritual leaders, like people at Jokra, Eckhart Tolle. And since I've been going to these events for four to five years, I just acquired a bunch of emails and contacts and friends. And through that, I had such a huge network. Like, all of a sudden, I just woke up one day, and I'm, I've been so deep into the community of all of this awareness that I had so many contacts, I was like, why don't I just start creating these events and bringing these people together? So 2008, <laughs> up until now, we've yeah. just been going viral. We, we went from small meditation mm-hmm. events to all-day ancient alien conferences to three-day con- um, conferences to retreats into Peru. So we have a, a plan for the next 10 years, too. So we're just, you know, keep building momentum as time goes by. For the next 10 years? Yeah. I got a plan for the next year. Wow. I got a I have a 20-year a plan for Portal to Ascension. We're going to go into um, different cities all over, all over the world doing this conference that we have in October. Next year, we're going to start doing our festival, and then the year after that, we're going to start doing our international tours. Well, I, by the way, if you're listening and, and you want to go ahead and, and uh, follow some more of this, the website is um, Portal Ascension, and that's P-O-R-T-A-L, oh, Portal to Ascension, excuse me, P-O-R-T-A-L-T-O-A-S-C-E-N-S-I-O-N.org. And, you know, just in case somebody doesn't understand my southern accent, I wanted to spell it. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope that spells okay. Uh, but if you go to portaltoascension.org, it's, there, there's a lot to find here as far as the online events, um, live events coming up. And under live events, I'm seeing upcoming uh, Celestine Prophecy Tour 2019, Michael Tallinger Tour. Uh, your past events include uh, – and, and if I can just read some of the titles on, on these things. Yeah. Um, a Star Seeds Guide to the Galaxy, Seven Steps to Leading Your Soul's Blueprint, and that features um, – help me get in there, Hanobi Strong Deer. Yep, um, right. And also the events with Michael. Oh, well, that's close. That, that was that was lucky. Uh, Michael Tallinger. Um, there was, uh, and, and I'm just reading just some of the titles. This is the one with David Serreta, uh, Star Frequencies, Astral Travel, and Sacred Site Fractal Geometry. And then yep. even the one Lori Spagna, uh, how our benevolent ET races are helping us. You know, sometimes there are people who um, they, they're curious about different things that, you know, um, yeah. in our world spiritually and physically and do the things mix and what what's going on. And sometimes they're afraid to tell their friends maybe how they think or if they're, you know, cause this is a time. That's very exciting because you've got we've got access to so many things, different knowledge, whether it's real knowledge or whether it's something that somebody, you know, puts out that whether, whether it's true or not, you still can keep on exploring to discover if it is, if it isn't, does it fit for you? 
and find people who think the same as you and ask questions and converse with them. And I think sometimes for people who, you know, aren't sure, well, I'm reading these things, I'm reading these books, what will my friends think? I think you and Saul and Portal to Ascension give people wonderful opportunities to meet people who are exploring, who are learning, who are seeking um, other truths to things that they're feeling. Yeah, exactly. And I can imagine you draw a lot of new people that way. We do. And since we work with so many speakers and every conscious topic, every topic that we can think of that can empower the individual to take the responsibility of, of their own life or have a wider perspective on what it means to be a human on earth, we basically do. And we work with over 500 speakers. We've been doing this for 10 years now. For the last five years, we've had an online university for webinars, which is basically a Netflix-style webinar university. It's kind of like um, if Netflix and Hulu got together, but it was all it was all um, webinar-style. So you can actually interact and speak with these speakers, some of which are extremely uh, well-known speakers and even ex-government officials and some people are still in the Ministry of Defense in Canada. We work with the Ministry of Defense in Canada, Ministry of Defense in England. A lot of whistleblowers come out on our platform before they announce to anybody else because we have that reach. So people come out and they, uh, especially when it comes to UFO disclosure, we work with the top people in the world that are bringing this information out. And um, so we, we're just a source. Uh, we're a one-stop shop for consciousness is what I call it. And it's pretty soon, because of what's <laughs> happening on this planet, because of the because of the lies and the corruption and it not being able to sustain itself anymore and continue going this way, a lot of truths are starting to be unraveled. And um, the rabbit hole goes so incredibly deep that sometimes I sit and wonder, and I'm like, wow, like all the stuff I know, if I wasn't, if I didn't have like 20 years of understanding what it is and what the nature of reality is, if people just find out in one moment, you're like, your mind can blow. Like it's so deep. So Portal to Ascension is that place for when people start waking up and need that resource in order to get the fast track, but also have that hand to hold so that they're not just like by themselves. We're there. Plus we're online. So as long as you have internet, you can access us. We have people emailing me from Kazakhstan, from a remote village in India, from an island off the shore of Australia. We have families that will dedicate their whole entire um, once a week in order to get the whole family together to watch a webinar on consciousness with us, you know? So we've really uh, been able to bridge a worldwide conscious community by what we've been doing. You know, interestingly enough, back there, um, Blog Talk Radio, where I broadcast live, uh, gathers data for me as far as people that listen live and people who download later. And also where my top five um, places where, where my listeners are. And it's usually the top five. Or the Number one is usually the U.S., uh, second yep. the U.K., then Australia, or the Netherlands, usually tie for four. And somewhere in the fifth or fourth is usually Kazakhstan. And <laughs> I know funny. from my husband working in satellite communications, you know, that's where a lot of uh, satellites are launched from. Right, right. Mm. Yeah, that's so, true. Uh, so that, Laboratories, I think NASA has a, a base there where they, JPL flies their um, the satellites from. Yeah, so... Um, so I always find it interesting that, you know, that that's my fifth largest market or listeners. Yeah, that is very interesting. Um, but let me ask you this. I'm hearing 
a lot of people, these are some things I'm hearing lately. I'm going to give you the little bits of it, and you take it and, 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 and tell us what we need to know. I keep hearing about information is coming forward that's been held back for decades by the government. I keep hearing about things in Canada, um, maybe, I don't know if it's the Canadian government or who that has been studying um, UFO science and so forth, that more information is, is, is being um, shared Mm-hmm. from uh, agencies in Canada, and yeah. it's almost like um, like the, the, the door is opening up or the veil is lifted or however uh, people say it. Uh, things that were normally unex- unexplained or maybe there were some all kinds of theories about things. Well, actually, there's, a, there's an article that came up just on January 22nd on your website uh, it's the top UFO sightings that caught people off guard, and this these, this and this article starts off going back to battles in World War II, you know, to now. Yes. Uh, yeah. Are, are we are we are people getting more information? Are are government agencies releasing more information? Yeah. So what's happening is that there is a release in a controlled a controlled disclosure program called Soft Disclosure. Disclosure doesn't just have to do with UFOs. Disclosure has to do with many things. It has to do with advanced technology. Uh, it has to do with the fact that we don't need petrol anymore and free energy devices. The fact that we're spiritual beings that are made out of frequency and we can shift our frequency and create and manifest all types of stuff. All of these components are disclosure, and there are different factions, compartmentalized factions of, um, call it the government or the elite, that are aware of this. If you go into the Library of Congress in, um, in Washington, D.C., the Library of Congress, for the congressional members. You go into the library and you see some of the top books there are the laws of metaphysics and the law of attraction, all these metaphysical concepts. And the reason for that is that the secret that was only for the elite for so long was actually all um, um, all these concepts of awareness, vibration, frequency, and even more so sacred geometry and how to utilize geometry in order to create different technologies, tap into free energy, so this, this information has been um, hidden for a long, long time. However, in the 1940s, when um, um, the Nazi Germany had a connection with a different, with a, an extraterrestrial race, and they received a lot of technologies from them, and then the U.S. had their own treaty with a different extraterrestrial race, many different technologies were given to um, the Navy, the Air Force, the Nazi space program, NASA. Each of these individual um, um, military industrial complex or Department of Defense agencies went and created their own kind of um, their own kind of program that was involving all of these technologies. The Navy have their own secret space program. The Air Force has their own secret space program. The Russians have their own secret space program. The U.S. government has many different compartmentalized factions that don't talk to each other and operate completely independent of each other and don't even know that the other exists. For example, the Air Force they um, they were given technology from the, from an extraterrestrial race, the same race that the Nazis were given technology from. The technology that was given to the Air Force was pretty archaic based on, um, based on the technology that was given to the Navy. The Air Force, after a couple of decades, finally discovered the ways in order to go to the end of our solar system. When they went to the end of our solar system, they found a Navy spacecraft there. They didn't even know that the own U.S. Navy already had that technology and had been going there for 30, 40 years. So 
this is all documented in uh, documents that are being released now. The CIA's own website is releasing a lot of these documents. But the way they do it is they, they put these documents out when it's time to declassify them. I think it's 50 years or something around that. They put them out, and then it gets picked up by the UFO conspiracy community, and then it just gets um, pushed to the side as if it's conspiracy. But they have disclosed it, and they've released the documents, and if you even search on their own website, you'll find them. However, they know that there's so many people that are against conspiracies that it's not going to go anywhere. So they do what they're supposed to do, release it, and then they just kind of sit back and just hit it in the same site. And that goes back to the whole concept of the fact that these individuals are only allowed to maintain control if they hit everything in plain sight for us. So since the 40s, this has been happening. For the last 10 to 15 years, there's been systematic dumps of data that were not available online, but were available in D.C., in the libraries if you went there. However, no one's going to fly to D.C., go through a million, literally a million files, and look for something that says UFO on it in order to bring it out to the public. You know, last year, in the beginning of last year, they finally went online, and now it's searchable online. So that's just kind of like a, a quick summary of what's happening right now. But now that it is available online, you know, people are able to access information more, and we're able to do bigger things with it. <laughs> this, this, this is almost mind-boggling, I know, um, yeah. as you think about it. And yet, what you're saying, though, does make a lot of sense in the fact that, you know, once things are disclosed and once not unclassified, who, who's going to take the trouble to really get in there and read it and find out um, right. or argue with it or, you know, whatever? Uh, and so, but if, I, also, if I may. Yeah. Uh, if I may, I, I want to tell you about one more one more project, that one more program that anybody who's listening to us now can look up and will completely blow their mind and make them wonder what else is possible, and it's the remote viewing program. Are you familiar with remote viewing at all? You know, I was about to ask you, uh, because when you were talking about the government, I thought of the different governments uh, using um, information from aliens. Um, I do remember, and I, uh, the guy um, – that the government, I know our government has utilized uh, research and used remote viewing, and yeah. there was, um, I have to look up the book now, but I remember there was an officer who did write a book about it, uh, a retired Army yeah. officer, and even, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so with re- remote viewing, there are there are probably countless programs of remote viewing now since this has been out since the 40s. However, uh, for example, the Russians, uh, each each component of the Russian military all have their own independent remote viewing program. The FBI has their own remote viewing program. The NSA has it. The CIA has it. The Navy has it. The Air Force has it. None of them work with each other, but they all have their own remote viewing programs that are designed for their own agenda. The Russians really wanted to um, use remote viewing in order to kill someone using their mind, whereas the U.S. was trying to do it for, for intel and for terrorism even though I'm sure they tried to experiment on on killing people with with their minds. However, remote viewing has become such a huge thing right now that there's even even private organizations that are traded on the stock market under fake names that are remote viewing companies that are available for hire for only the elite in society. For example, Oakley hired a remote viewing team that was an independent contracting team that used to work for the FBI in order to reverse engineer the eyelids of gray aliens to try to put it into his, um, into his technology for his glasses. So 
those, well, those are different things happening. Listen, I'm getting some messages from people here, and um, I want—I should have stopped to say it this, uh, a few minutes ago. If uh, yes. this is Madam Perry, I am talking with Neil Gar right now um, of uh, Portal to Ascension, and he's also going to be a special guest at Wild Wild WestCon this weekend. If you want to talk to Neil, and then later, coming up later will be David Stipes, two-time Emmy Award-winning. Uh, visual effects artist with over 40 years of experience in film with some of your favorite movies, Star Trek, um, and on and on. But if you want to call in and talk to Neil Gar, if you have a question, because um, I know people are <laughs> – people, it, it, you can call 646-716-9922, the number 646 646- Seven one six nine nine two two, and Blog Talk Radio assures me it's a toll-free call in the continental U.S. And for my friends who cannot, um, who can't get a call in because, oh, let's say that um, you know you're at a day job or whatever, and you can't call, best go ahead and send me a message uh, on Facebook either through uh, Jennifer Modette Perry or Madam Perry Salon. And uh, send me your questions or comments, and I am getting a lot of people saying, "Wow, where have you been hiding this guy?" Uh, well, I haven't been hiding him; I just <laughs> met him. And <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, like I would hold out. I mean, come on, look at my guest list on the podcast. I'm the luckiest girl, or what? So I do have a call. I do have somebody with a question. Actually, we're going to bring them in in here to Madame Perry Salon. Neil, if you yes. don't mind, just reach over to your left of the beaded curtain and part it for me. Yep. And welcome. Done. And uh, oh, it looks like Kristen. Come on in, Kristen. Hi. How are you? I am doing hey, great. Kristen. Glad to hear your voice. Hi. Oh, good. Thank you so much for welcoming me. I'm so excited to hear about this topic. That's great. I am and glad. So I, didn't, I had no idea it would be so popular, so this was great. Yeah. Well, actually, you were talking about remote viewing, right, Neil? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, That's so great. what I I am fascinated by is how does, like, I, I have heard lots of things that Tesla would do things like that, would have meditative sessions, I suppose yeah. you would say. They didn't know what he was doing, but he would have some kind of connection to the universe that where he would then say, that's where I get all my ideas. Right. And, um, so ha- is this something that you're familiar with? Yeah, or I'm, I'm very familiar off- with Tesla. No, that's completely right. However, remote viewing and um, channeling are different. Um, Tesla was actually okay. channeling, is what he said he is, in which he basically locked vibrational frequencies with another consciousness, and there was like this download that occurred where he got this information. Whereas when you're remote viewing, you're almost like astral traveling within the known reality, like wherever you can perceive yourself, and you you transfer your consciousness from one place to another. And so remote big. viewing doesn't involve another consciousness. It's completely yourself, whereas channeling you involves another one. Oh, I see. Okay. So, because yeah. I wonder, you know, like when he when he died, and of course this is a conspiracy thing perhaps, but perhaps at the same time, I know that he had a lot of ideas about free energy and how, you know, this was at a time when everybody, when capitalism was at its, and yeah. you know you had a lot of American, um, uh, you know, energy 
seekers, energy um, kings, whether it was coal, whether it was railroad, steel, things like that. And uh, and Ida Thomas Edison, who was harnessing the whole electric light thing. And uh, so Tesla was doing a whole lot of stuff. And I just wonder, like, you know, at the time of his death, a lot of his stuff was, was missing. And they said the government right. came in and took his stuff. Do you know anything about that? Or, like, I mean, because this is, like, yeah. turn of the century. Yeah. So, so Tesla was, was definitely a pioneer and was, a, like, a starseed that came back here in order to do what he did. His information was okay. stolen. And uh, we actually did a webinar with Stephen Greer. And it's available on our YouTube, youtube.com slash portal to ascension. Oh, and it's called uh, Illegal Secrecy, The Lost Century is what it's called. And it's a two-hour okay. expose on the technologies that we lost because of what happened with Tesla and other things. Um, basically, when the technology was, was taken and all these other technologies were created behind closed doors, and then with the influence of extraterrestrial technology, there's been an entirely different society and economy based on this advanced technology that is coexisting with us while we're existing in this archaic technology, still using um, uh, cell phone towers and still using um, petrol. So Tesla was actually, if if it wasn't for capitalism, if it wasn't for people trying to make money off energy and people were more into the empowerment of humanity and Tesla technology was utilized, we would probably be in the utopian society that I feel we're supposed to be in from that you know like so tesla was definitely like on point and he was one of the pioneers for all this information that's why a a lot of times in this conscious community you hear his name now because people are bringing back the awareness that tesla was the one that discovered how to utilize electricity and give it to everybody for free not edison yeah 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 so it's Thank you so much for that because I've been wanting to find out this information and you know yeah. what happened like what what where are these papers I mean obviously it, they ha- they were taken and surely somebody has found them somewhere you know after they had been taken and utilized however they were utilized Yeah and some documents have been released if you google Tesla lost, lost documents some of his own memoirs of what happened to him in the end and even some of his transcripts of when he was channeling different beings and there's there's even someone out there who says doing this whole expose on tesla saying that the person the individuals he was channeling was from the star system of arcturus some arcturian entities were basically giving him this information oh my goodness so, yeah. so these people so, that are channeling go ahead i'm sorry no no go ahead please well, I know I was wondering, um, it, it's wonderful to channel this information, but I wonder about, is this because, is, is it like a prelude to like visitation? Or is, is it like, you know, downloading information to us so that we understand kind of like to have that knowledge so that we are more comfortable with the possibility of us all, u- all, all, us all u- utilizing this information and in the, in the, in the energy and not being yeah. afraid of it. It's definitely both. That's like an amazing question. And it's definitely both of them that it's for, it's for the fact that we live in an abundant universe, but we've completely been convinced we live in lack, that we don't have enough. We're fighting the other all the yeah. time for resources, and we don't need to even take, like, we're using, like, dinosaur bones into the blood of the earth in order to sustain us and move us forward, where we've already discovered technology 
to tap into space-time, into the infinite vacuum, and power the whole planet, let alone the fact that solar panels in one country in Africa could fuel the entire planet as well. So it's definitely getting us to a point where we don't need money and greed, and we need this technology so that we can get our basic needs met, so we're not suffering, and we're not in lack all the time. Once we're not in lack and we're not suffering as much as we are now, we have more time to concentrate on our spirituality, and that what connects us and unites us. When we realize that we're not a part, we're not our jobs and what we're told that we do, like, oh, what do you do? And you say, like, I'm a plumber. When we realize right. that's not what we are, but and we stop loving ourselves for what we do, but start loving ourselves for what we are, just the fact that we exist, that all these technologies and what Tesla was trying to do was getting us to this point. It was hijacked. It was hijacked for a couple of reasons. Read, and also it wasn't time yet. So in the greater scheme of it all, we weren't supposed to go there yet. We're supposed to be in duality for a little longer. And the veil, the quarantine that Earth, which is a whole other topic, the fact that Earth has been in quarantine from communication with extraterrestrial races for 13,000 years, is coming to an end right now. And because that quarantine is coming to an end, waiting for us in order to evolve a little bit so that we won't respond with fear when they come down here. So once we focus on eradicating our fear, we'll start having more open contact on a mass, actual personified level. But for now, individuals and groups are going to start having contact through consciousness until we all get to that place. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, you know, I am, I am, so thrilled to have you here. And Kristen, I'm so glad you called. Um, you, you always well, amaze me you. With, with your interest and your knowledge and things. Um, but Kristen, since you're closest to the door, would you reach over and, and just open um, my little crystal beaded curtain and let my next guest in? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks, Neil. Thank you. You're welcome. Take care. I'm delighted. Well, oh, you don't have to rush right off. All right, so welcome in here, and this is... Mr. David Stife, two-time Emmy Award-winning VFX artist. Come on in, David. Sit Hello down and there. be comfortable. And you, this is my <laughs> friend Kristen that opened the door for you. And sitting across from you Hi, is David. Neil Gar. Hello. <laughs> and Neil, hey, David. Neil is also, Hi. as you know, a special guest this weekend at Wild Wild West Con. Kristen, I wish you were going. I do, too. Yeah, it sounds like you're going to miss out, so, Kristen. <laughs> She'll be pretty spectacular. Kristen, yeah. She, I mean, Kristen, like everybody has heard me talking about it, and I've already rounded up a big group for next year. But this year, oh, my gosh, I wish I wish everyone I love was going this year, you see. So, David, come on in and sit down. You've heard some of this conversation I'm, already with Neil, and you were going to meet. But um, you're – this is this is the Galactic Steampunk Federation is the theme this year in Wild West Con. Um, see why they you know bringing in people of all different interests that have to do with space, and um, you've worked as a visual effects supervisor on four Star Trek series: Next Generation, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise. Uh, you were the one who mm-hmm. brought in uh, CGI, computer generated imagery for Star Trek, and right, changed it. I've got some, and then there's some other subjects I want to talk to you about as well. But I've sure. got some messages mm-hmm. coming in. And, folks, if you remember, if you want to call in, 646 716 9922. Or if you can't get to a phone or you can't talk wherever you are, uh, you can always send me a message through Facebook. It's Jennifer Maudette Perry or Madam Perry Salon. And I've already got questions for you, Mr. Stipes. Oh, and okay. these are oh, from I'm James. All <laughs> 
All right. James Spring, and he's one of the people along with James Spring, who you know, who's going to be on my panel that I'm leading on uh, how to start your podcast, or as Thomas Williford mm-hmm. helped me name it last year, something like harnessing the ether for wireless telegraphy or something for entertainment. But anyway. <laughs> That's good. Uh, uh, you know, Thomas Williford, remember, he was the judge on the Steampunk competition show. So when he and Amy were on last year, um, his gorgeous girlfriend, Amy Wilder, uh, they were talking, oh, you got to have a special name. So he helped me come up with one. But uh, James Spring, who also has a podcast, Creative Play and um, Creative – well, anyway, Creative Play podcast, um, he has questions for you right away. First question. Sure. He's got this written down as, and I'm and listen. I'm reading this. It says first question. He wrote that. Star Wars or Star Trek? <clears throat> My husband was uh, Star Trek. I'm actually old enough. I applied to work on the original series. I was really young, and they patted me on the head, told me to go away and grow up. And 25 years <laughs> later, I got good enough where I could work on Next Generation. So yeah. Uh, so my husband's <laughs> really been with Star Trek. Hey. But, you know, he had also his next question is, you know, late, um, Saturday night I had Taylor's Forge on. And, you know, she's going to be this week. She was a maker, also a competitor in Steampunk. Last night, mm-hmm. my guests were Brandy Stilwell, who writes um, for what writes with TV shows like everything from Family Guy to um, I think she's got a Star Wars project coming up or one that she just did. And I hope I'm not releasing anything that she signed an NDA about. <laughs> But um, she's worked on a lot of TV shows and worked with Second City Comedy. But she has a new comic called a new comic book that she co- she co-created the Sasquatch Detective. But she reminded me the title of the comic right. book is Sasquatch Detective. It's great. She was on last night with Tobias McCurry, and Tobias mm-hmm. will be there. He's also a maker and was a competitor on Steampunk. Uh, he creates props and costumes. But when I asked them, I said, I asked each of them, I said, what point? In your childhood, did you realize that you could not only read about or have fantasies about different worlds and things, but that you could actually make things yourself and create worlds and create physical uh, components? And they both had the advantage of being young and born in a time where these things were available. There were, you know, clubs in school where you could learn how to make things, the anime clubs and so forth. But James wants to know, you, you knew early. You knew, I think, as, as soon as you were 12 years old, you knew what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And you were able to make a career. James wants to know where do you get the inspiration for making props? And the second part of that is he wants to know what's one, in your opinion, what's one tool every prop maker needs to have? A Dremel tool. He needs to have a Dremel. Okay. <laughs> and a good imagination. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe a glue gun too. A hot melt glue gun too. <laughs> a glue gun, hot glue gun, and uh, and a Dremel tool, and a good imagination, and a good imagination. Okay, I yeah. like it. I can so do it's that. Not one tool. It's, um, uh, obviously, uh, to do this right, you really need many tools, but probably the imagination is the place to start and what you need. And uh, he was also wanting to know how do you find the inspiration to use found or low-cost objects to create such great props, and where would you suggest looking for 
found or low-cost things. And when I read that just a few minutes ago, I remember being over in your website and reading an article mm-hmm. about um, – uh, it was one of your blog posts, uh, The Emperor's mm-hmm. New Cloak. Yeah, and there's another one in there on building the uh, – normally uh, this weird uh, death ray, which is even uh, probably more to the point. Uh, he actually – is he going to be – did you say he's going to be at the con, uh, con this weekend? Oh, yes, he is, yes. And we're doing okay, a panel together. Okay, very good. Yes. Oh, you are. Okay. Then maybe he wants to drop by and see my uh, visual effects, uh, canary visual effects, cheap, cheap, cheap. So we talked okay. about how to go about looking for this, these things. Part of the issue is um, is to get a concept. That's where imagination, the creativity aspect comes in. Uh, I recommend doing some uh, either a little foam core mock-up or some sketches or something like that of what you think you would want, and then you go out and start looking for it. And one of the examples I have is this death ray thing that we did, and we were using uh, Dixie cups, and and I found a whole bunch of stuff (laughs) at Goodwill, a a pressure sprayer. We used an old vacuum cleaner. I wanted a nice (laughs) three-legged tripod roll-around base to hold it up, and instead we got an old chair for $5 and used that. And it was for a, a local uh, a web show called Normally This Weird by uh, Nathan Blackwell. <clears throat> so, so really it's a case of wh- what does this look like? You know, does this thing, the bottom of this uh, yogurt cup could be one of the rings here. Oh, I, I want to have a couple of big magazines that look maybe they're holding power energy or something or bullets or something. So I use coffee cans, like three-pound coffee can containers, and then – you, you spray them up, you co- cover them with plastic, uh, use a lot of uh, PVC pipes. So there's a lot of stuff that you can do with those kind of things. I found, uh, I was joking with one friend, I, I went to a dollar store. Dollar stores and Goodwills are the way to go. And there's a case of, what does this thing look like? Um, I have to give credit to a, an old friend of mine who's passed away, Tom Sherman. He was a master of that sort of thing. He could take go to the store, buy a bunch of plastic containers and turn it into an alien city. And so he, I sort of like think I'm channeling him when I do that. Oh, okay. Well, listen, um, there's a couple more things. I, I, I just don't want to get so carried away that I, I forget to ask you everything I want to. And I, I look forward to meeting you in person okay. this weekend. Um, oh, uh, yeah, we're going to have a chance to chatter. I think it would be fun. Oh, that's going to be sorry, a good time. Sorry. This is your first. This is your first Wild West Con. That is correct. Mm, okay, I don't think it'll be your last. It's a. It's a very friendly and fun <laughs> group. Um, oh yeah. Well, I, if, yeah. Well, somebody's about to come in the door right now. Who's already got a seated? Who's already got their own cushion here in the genie bottle? And um, welcome to Madame Perry Salon. Come on in. Sit down. Is this James? Okay. Now you were there somewhere. You're just going to be mysterious. Somebody with a 915 code. Okay. They might have had to go turn off the stove or something. So let me know when you're ready to talk. But wait. Oh, hang on. 
No, okay. <laughs> uh, no, James Breen says, no, it's not me. I'm in an uh, impromptu meeting with the WWWC. So, um, okay. Uh, well, in the anyway. meantime, I'd, I would like to like to jump in and say that I really was impressed with Neil uh, Gar, uh, Gar, and I'm um, looking forward to having a chance to talk with him. And, uh, you know, sometimes we have things on Facebook. You say somebody says something really great, and you go, like, what what they said? Well, uh, after listening to <laughs> Neil, I, it's what Neil said. Uh, I'm definitely uh, very Neil much said? in the same wavelength. Yeah, I'm very much in the same wavelength Neil, with him in terms of my – Neil, you're still here, aren't you? Yeah, I'm here. Well, yeah, okay, Neil, yeah. I was yeah. just very impressed with uh, what you had to say, and I'm looking forward to a chance to talk with you. Um, Thank you. Um, I was sharing with, with Jennifer a little earlier that uh, I've got a, about a 50-year background in the Edgar Casey uh, readings and work with that, and uh, also oh, uh, working with the IM, the IM discourses and that sort of thing. So Nice. That's awesome. Yes. I would love to talk to you yeah. when we get there. Okay. Excellent. Um, well then, let's 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 go ahead then and move on then um, to okay. to your work and uh, you, you know I was so surprised when I read that um, you've got you know well like a lot of interesting folks like you guys you have a lot of varied interests I knew that you had read um, Edgar Casey and I don't know when it was mm-hmm. but something maybe it could have been twenty years ago somebody gave me a copy of the book uh, uh, what was it the river it's, there is the um, river. <laughs> There is a river, yeah, the biography of Ed. And mm-hmm. I knew that my best friend's mother read all the books. When I was growing up, I remember always seeing them in her house. And uh, mm-hmm. just a fascinating story that uh, really, really helped bring my focus and my, my outlook on things into a much a clearer way. Tell me what mm-hmm. interested you in reading and studying Edgar Casey and and there was something else we were talking about, but um, I'll let you just go ahead and introduce it. <clears throat> okay. Because she sent me some lovely well, pictures. Did you get a chance to open them up? I know it was right at the last minute. Yes, yes, I did. I'm going to okay, put, post one of those okay, now good. on Facebook. <clears throat> oh, my. Okay. Please remove the name on it, though. <laughs> oh, okay. All the, right. Uh, I will. You know, the, the title of the picture. So the person keeps their privacy. But anyway, um, I found the film industry to be almost a, a karmic experience. Um, I, I would go to – I started working in the film industry very early. Um, I actually worked on my first film when I was in school, uh, which recently got re-released as a Criterion uh, edition of about five or maybe eight years ago. <clears throat> and – as I would go through my experiences, I was appalled at the how um, just the experience of working with people who were fairly self-centered and not particularly kind and, at times, and it was very rough. And what what kept me going was getting involved with the Edgar Casey material, and uh, uh, the Edgar Casey uh, program has as its roots a study group. Um, as people were getting to have readings from him, because he, he was one of the most uh, documented psychics, over uh, 15,000 readings that are documented and archived, people wanted to know how could they become more like him, and they started a study group on how to do that, and it's called A Search for God. 
And people, of course, joke to me about, like, well, why do you need a book to search for God? Well, it's a good foundational way of – it's a, a structured way of getting there. And I've been involved with that material for over 50 years. And I would come back home every weekend and go to a study group to be revived enough so I can go back and work in the film industry. And that worked uh, – I, I did that a number of years. So it became something that gave me purpose, showed me about ideals, um, showed me about – uh, how to treat people better, and also how to think about myself better, which was uh, is actually a factor. Uh, I would imagine Neil probably would agree that uh, a person's self-esteem or what they say about themselves and to themselves uh, makes a big difference in how they can function in the world and how their relationship is with each other and with their God, you know, self. So that's kind of where I kind of got started on it. And I actually learned about uh, Edgar Casey when I was in high school because I was a comic book reader, and there was a book, a uh, comic book, and and had an insert called "The Most Mysterious Man," and it talked about Edgar Casey. And I hadn't even graduated from high school, and that's how I found out about him. And then I came across a some public talks by Hugh Lynn Casey, who was Edgar Casey's son. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Oh, by the way, we have. Hope that wasn't too windy. <laughs> No, gosh, no, gosh, not at all. By the way, it was Karen, Karen E. Thomas, who's uh, also going to be there with us this weekend that was um, in here. And um, she left for just a moment. She may be back. And if you don't mind bringing in my beloved friend, James Breen. James, come on in and sit down, honey. Hello, hello, hello. Hello there. Hello. Okay, it's working. Yes. I think it's working. Hello. Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. I'm glad that you're here. You're here with me, and as you know, Neil Gar and David Stipes. And thanks to you, I have these. Um, you have introduced so many fascinating people into my life. Oh, could, uh, could you move over just a moment for our for the lovely Karen Roberts to come in and sit down? We got a full Wild West Con house in here, guys, in the in the genie bottle. <laughs> Hey, yeah, I, there's two of them. I'm looking forward to meeting. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- this has been very interesting evening tonight. And um, I had a question for David Stipes. I'm a okay. big Star Trek fan. And uh, I just wondered if any of your, um, any of your creations, your um, things that, that you um, have made um, inspired any of the episodes, or did they just come to you and say this is what we need and you know make it happen <laughs> uh, I had actually pitched a couple of ideas that were not accepted so that often happens most of the time they have their own ideas what what does happen though is that they will have an idea a general idea of what they want but not know exactly how to get it and so then my creativity can come to play on that uh, I can tell you a brief story if we have time. I don't know how much time you have left. You go right ahead, honey. Okay, very good. All right, did you see the episode on Deep Space Nine where Kira and Odo fall in love? Do you yes. remember that episode at all? Yep. I think it's called Chimera. Yeah, sure. Okay, uh, when, they, when we had the production meetings, there's usually a big production meeting where there's a whole – everyone involved in the show is all there – as men and women and uh, both. And the writers wanted to have a moment where Kira 
and Odo have some sort of intimacy together. But, of course, they're different species, so they can't make love like, you know, human mm-hmm. beings. But they right. didn't know what to do. And it'd be in a bunch of guys, they're all going like, let's have Odo become a cloud and he'll shower snowflakes on, on Kira. And all the women in the group are going like, ooh, that sounds terrible. And then, and then they had uh, the guys go, well, maybe we could have Odo turn into a sofa and then she could pull him, part of him over on her like a blanket. And women are going like, have you seen how he transforms? You guys surely know what that looks like. Ooh. So nobody knew what to do. So we ended the meeting, and we we just sort of put some numbers in the budget and hope we had enough, and and we went to the set. And at that point in time, I was married to a lady who was from Upper Michigan, and she told me about the Aurora Borealis when she was a child, the first time she saw it. So I I got the inspiration. I called up. I talked to the director and the. Um, the director of photography, uh, the uh, actress uh, Nana Visitor, and Renea Bergenois, and they said, what about this idea? And I pitched an Aurora Borealis kind of thing, which are all out of gold and sparkles and stuff. And they all go, well, okay. So then I ran it by the producers, and they said, yeah, go with it. So that's what we shot. And so we wound up spending lots of time doing this aurora and this uh, Odo transforms into this light of warmth and then sprinkles little scarf little sparkles all over her. Uh, I'm hearing the, I'm hearing myself talking here. Uh, but anyway, yeah, um, yeah, we got an echo here. Well, anyway, we got a little. Uh, Nana Visitor was just glorious in the performance. She was so beautiful and sensitive. And we put it together, and then a couple of weeks later, I talked to one of the ladies who was at the production meeting. And I asked her, I said, well, how did you feel about it? Did it feel romantic? And she just kind of closed her eyes and swooned a little bit, and she goes, yes, it was so romantic. And so, yes, there's an example where I was able to take my creativity and bring it to the show to come up with a solution that no one else had. So plus it was just a really sweet moment in the, in the show. So, oh. Like I said, I was getting a lot of echoing here, so I hope that all came out clear enough. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I hope so. It's gone. Well, listen, I'm out of time and you've got to come back. You've got, you've got to please come back. Neil Gard, David Stipes, <laughs> my beloved James Breen. And also I want to say, give a shout out. Karen Thomas. I think I called you Karen Roberts. Karen Thomas has already left. Thank you. Uh, thank you to James, yeah, James Spring for his message. I mean, for his uh, question. Also to Kristen Lashley for calling in. And I will see you all. Uh, James Breen, thanks for all that you've brought to my life. Live. Well, of course. And see you so in a couple days people. here in sunny Tucson. <laughs> yes, I'll see you all. We'll be there Thursday, and uh, we'll talk some more. And I want all of you guys to come back so we can continue this discussion. And um, I'm going to close out. With Sounds that. good. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.